Looking for a local spot to make swag for your brand, podcast, or anything in between? Eastside Pin Co. has experience making enamel pins, badges, keychains, medals, and patches. Have an idea of what you want? Chris can help bring your idea to life. You can find them online at eastsidepinco.com. That's E-A-S-T-S-I-D-E-P-I-N-C-O.com. And you can send all inquiries to chris at eastsidepinco.com. Mention this ad to take 10% off your order. Eastside Pinco. Hit them up. Welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, we got Mike Kennedy in the house. What's going on, Mike? How's it going, man? And who do we have guest hosting but none other than Roman himself? We don't even need the last name. Hello, no. You're like Bjork. It's like Madonna. I'm always mixing you up with Bjork, McLovin, all those guys. I don't need a last name. In <laughs> fact, I don't think, do you know my last name? Wilkinson. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Wait, wait. No, the, Put I him on asked, spot I like asked, that? No, I asked this because one time Reagan hit me up and he was like, hey, what's your last name? And I was like, Wilkinson. He goes, yeah, Mike didn't know. And he asked what? me about it. I was like, <laughs> what? Which was funny because part of me was like, I think you didn't know my last name. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah, someone was wondering what yeah. it was. I was just so wondering. I'm going to call him Reagan Clark. He doesn't know my last name. <laughs> oh, shit, Reagan? You know, yeah, that's Reagan. He was an English teacher in my high school. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, my God, that's I didn't amazing. know you knew him. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I went to Memorial. I graduated in 09. Uh, so he was your teacher, huh? No, well, I, he was a teacher there, but I didn't have oh, him. Oh, you didn't have him. Okay. But did you have? Insane. Did you have his wife? I mean, uh, as a teacher, as a teacher. Wop, 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 That was a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. Right. No, I've known him forever. That's I mean, amazing. Yeah, since going to, in high school, going to shows. Uh, man, what was his band that he was in called? American Ruse. American Ruse, yeah. We, uh, a, a few of us were going to go, they played a show at like 89th Street way back in the day. And it was when we were still in high school. We we're going to go check it out because they were doing like a Fellware. Was it the Green Door then or Conservatory? Man, it might have been the conservatory, conservatory at that time. Yeah. But that is so funny that everyone ends up knowing everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a small area. Jesus. Sure. Well, Mike, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. So Roman mentioned that he knew you and that, uh, you know, we always like to talk to musicians, um, you know, talk about what inspires them, what they're into growing up, things like that. And, you know, especially with someone like yourself that has a the deep Oklahoma roots, man. I had to have you on for sure. Yeah, yeah. Happy to be here. <laughs> So how did the whole thing start, man? Like getting into music, like how did that was it just something that was always around your house, and it was just like an organic thing you got into, or what? Um, I very young loved MTV, like, and I and and like it was the early days of MTV because that's how old I am when they showed music. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and and, uh, and so I always loved that, and I have a brother who's like six years older than me, and so that was a very uh, fortuitous thing for, you know, being shown music that I normally wouldn't have heard. Uh, and so, yeah, I just always, like, I loved Kiss. I loved Twisted Sister. And and then after that, like, my brother, when, like, Master Puppets came out, was like, here's your new favorite album. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I've always loved music, yeah. 
And it wasn't until like middle school I started trying to play anything, but yeah, always been a music dork. Something about the uh, having an older sibling too is like, uh, I don't know, whenever I would find stuff that my older brothers listened to, I just automatically thought that was cool, you know? Yeah. Totally. No matter if they were cool or not, or whatever they listened to is like bullshit. <laughs> it's like, well, they listen to it and I think they're cool. So by default, that's awesome. Yeah. Totally. And so it's always like a funny thing of like, you know, and then you kind of, from there, you kind of find things that you like. You, mm-hmm. That's how you kind of glean your taste and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he was always more on the, like, hard rock, metal side, and then I eventually went punk, and that's where we diverged. <laughs> but, oh, that's cool, man. So, so how did you go? What was the, the um, intro to punk? Um, Well, I remember, like, I can remember, you know, like, I knew I was aware of the Sex Pistols, and, like, I had seen the I Want to Be Sedated video on MTV, so I was, I was, I had those in my head, and then it was, like, after Nirvana happened... So, like, I was the prime age for that. So I was all into the grunge stuff. And then, um, yeah, and so that, obviously, they promoted a lot of punk stuff. And so I was wanting to s- search out more punk things. And I had a, my brother's friend left his, like, box of cassettes over one day. And he had the first Ramones album and the Sex Pistols album. And I was like, well, I know these are punk. <laughs> and so I listened <laughs> to those. And I was like, well, this is fucking great. And, yeah, and so that was kind of the start of it. And then I befriended people who showed me, like, Dead Kennedys and Misfits and all that. Black Flag. Right on, man, for sure. The freaking tapes. The era of the tapes. Oh, yeah. I still have those tapes, too. He let me have them. It was very nice. He he was like, oh, you like those? And they were just like, they were like the the actual, you know, like, store-bought cassettes, but he didn't have the cases anymore. Oh, right on. And uh, he's just like, oh, you can have them. And I was like, and I still have them to this day. That's crazy. Anyone, especially, like, uh you know, like your first car situation. It's like I didn't have a car, a CD player, or anything. So I always had mm-hmm. the, what tapes can I get? And finally got the tape thing that can hook up to your iPod or whatever. But I remember finding a bunch of tapes. Uh, actually, from my father-in-law, I had a this piece of shit Toyota in college, but it had a tape deck. And I remember finding like all these. Is like a big, you know, like people used to have like furniture pieces that were could <laughs> hold your tapes. Yeah. And he rents a house, and like these people like ran out on them or whatever, but left a bunch of shit. And he had all these tapes, and he was like, oh, you got that tape player? Why don't you look to see if you want to keep any of this? I'm just going to donate everything else or toss it. So I was like, sure. So I'll go through it, and, like, it was just Paul, like a turd after turd yeah. after turd. But I ended up keeping uh, – it was um, – there was Criss Cross. It was the, <laughs> the jump single. Yeah. There was an Aerosmith. It was like uh, – was there a, a – Get a grip? Is that with the like, the cow on it or something? Yeah, I get a grip. So I had that one, and then um, uh, Shania Twain, and I wore that Shania Twain one out. Man, <laughs> man, I feel like is it man? I feel like a woman. That's the one. I used to bump the shit out of that, but I couldn't get it more of a diverse taste than that those freaking random tapes that I happened to find in my father in law's house. That Shania Twain, if you if you look at the track listing, I've recently seen it, and there's so much punctuation. And just odd little really? like things, yeah. It's huh. really funny. I think there's like three songs that have exclamation points. And they were just excited <laughs> to put this record <laughs> yeah. out, Mike. Man, I feel like a woman. <laughs> it is. It's like, man, <laughs> I feel like a woman. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's just so funny to me, like the stuff that sticks out to you, you know, all that time. Like I don't know why I remember about those tapes, mm-hmm. but it's just funny that story sticks out to you of like you got these random tapes from this guy, and then you 
still have them to this day. Like I that's do. so cool to me. I mean, that was, that was a pretty pivotal pivotal change in my life. Was yeah, being the the uh, world that those tapes opened. Right. So, what was like the shift from you know you're someone that enjoys music, listen to music, to starting to play it? Where did that kind of come from? Um, around like sixth grade, I had a friend whose dad uh, played drums and. I would, he would let me like play on his kit when I was over at his house. And, uh, and I just always like, I enjoyed that. I, w- I couldn't keep a beat or right. I just liked hitting him. <laughs> and he had some old drum kit that he was going to get rid of. And my parents bought it from him for like my birthday or Christmas or something. And, and so I had a drum kit and that was like the first thing I tried to do. And I never was very good, but that was enough to befriend people who played other instruments. And then we'd play together, which then I'd, you know, this guy would leave his guitar at my house because we were jamming, and then I'd pick up the guitar, and you know, it just you know steamrolled from there. No, that's the I, you nailed it with the drummer thing, man. Because it's like I, if anyone's ever tried to play drums, I just don't understand how. It's like you got to have two brains, like <laughs> a brain in each hand, and I'm like, I don't get it. And so I was the same way. Like I tried to start to fuck around and play little drums. And I was just like, nah. <laughs> that was the first instrument I ever learned how to play. Are you serious? Somewhat. But the thing was, is I wanted a drum set, and my my mom bought me just a snare drum. Oh my god! <laughs> for drum Christmas, line, damn. Which was which was cool, <laughs> but I I was like, where's the rest of? It? I, I I was like looking around the house to see if I could find the rest. I was like, Easter I really thought they were messing with me, <laughs> and I think I made them feel horrible because it was definitely a Christmas time. You're like, ah, you got me. Where's the rest of them? <laughs> exactly. Oh, such a little shit. She was like, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so she probably she probably worked really hard to get that. Snare drum just for me, so <laughs> I was kind of being a last. So. Nah, that's funny, man. Hey, we're taking a quick break to talk about our friends over at the Escape OKC's new room that's now open called Tides of Treason. The captain has been holding out on you, but the rest of the crew was too chicken to make him pay up. Break out and take what's yours. You can find more information on this room at theescapeokc.com or by following them on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's the Escape OKC located at 912 Northwest 23rd Street. Now back to the show. Uh, so from there, it's like you just in a few bands, and then you guys kind of come together as the Rejects? Or how does that kind of, what's like the history with that? Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I was just in a bunch of bands throughout high school and stuff. And uh, yeah, there was around 2002, I was in a band called Euclid Crash at the time, and we started playing some shows with the Rejects, who were three-piece three piece at the time. And eventually they wanted a second guitar player. And uh, I guess I had done done a good job playing those shows with Eagle Crash to impress them in some manner. <laughs> You're so, like, I'm a second guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so they asked me to join, and I did. And yeah, it's been fifth. No, wait. How long has that been? 2002. It's been a long time. 17 years. Yeah, 17 years. 18 I, years next year. And I can tell you, like, there's there's definitely a. I think in my mind, I've always thought this, is that. Mike, if you've ever seen, have you ever seen the Rejects play? Have you ever seen? Yeah. The Rejects? Okay. Yeah. So you know the guy that brings the energy to the show is Mike, and I mean it's it's fun watching the Rejects play. I've seen them probably twenty times. I don't know, and it's always fun watching those shows because it's one of the tightest bands live, and they just bring so much energy, and it's all him and and Tyson that bring that. It's just, it's in your face. It's crazy. And it sounds, and they don't ever miss a beat, at least to my ears. <laughs> they probably hear it. But um, 
Yeah, and so like, it's just it's insane watching watching those shows. It's always been fun. That's got to be fun, like a blast, man, getting to do that. Like, oh yeah, that's not a lot. Not a lot of people get to do that for their jobs. So that's got to be fun. No, it's amazing. It's everything I ever wanted. I'm very very lucky <laughs> for sure. You did talk about how long it's you guys have been doing it. What, what's something that sticks out as far as like being different from whenever you're first starting? You know, maybe just the first couple shows to now. Um. I don't, you know, I mean, I mean, there's obviously the size of venues and stuff and oh, the accommodations yeah. are, are, are easier on a person now, uh, for us, but I don't know, like for me, it's still just playing shows and having fun. Uh, I don't know. We don't tour as hard as we used to, like we would do, you know, months and months at a time not coming home. We definitely don't do that anymore. No, that's, that's probably yeah. the biggest difference to be honest. Well, um, you know, just casually talking to like Roman and you like it's become clear that you like enjoy like the whole studio process you gotten more into like a producer type role um, yeah. in the last few years right yeah uh like maybe let's see 2006 was the first time I started recording stuff uh yeah I I lucked out and I was a huge fan of this band called Screeching Weasel growing up and somehow it convinced their singer to let me record a solo record and I didn't I'd never made a record like that, you know, I never produced <laughs> right. a record. Um, and somehow I cobbled it together and made it work. And yeah, that was like the start. And I'm, that's kind of what I've always done with my free time since then. And then now that, you know, the rejects aren't as active, that's like probably what I do more than anything now. Very cool, man. What, what's something that, you know, what kind of drew you into that? Like what made you, is it, you know, obviously you were a fan of that band, but, um, you know, doing it more, what's like the thing that you really enjoy about doing that for bands? Um, I don't know. I, it's there. I, I just do enjoy like helping people like kind of see their songs to fruition and maybe help them make them better along the way. Right. Um, Getting your John Stockton on throwing up alley-oops. <laughs> I, yeah, so I, like, <laughs> I, I like the assist. I don't know. And, and that's kind of, I've never been like much of like a songwriter myself, but I enjoy like yeah working on something that someone else has like maybe not completed yet. I don't know. I, I find a lot of fun in that. No, it's very cool, man. We were talking about um, you know I talked to you a little bit about Roman had been on that episode that we did of um, Sugar Colts, uh, Palm Trees and Power Lines. Something that sticks out to me about so many like the songs that we love um, from you know when we're younger, the the years that stick out to us is just like how simple songs come together and how impactful those are is that something that you kind of glean for like songs that you try to just get to the core of it or are you like more of like a production type guy like let's get as much stuff as we can in there is it just different by song or what yeah it's kind of just whatever the song calls for i mean i definitely love layering things and like especially i do i you know i tend to work with a lot of punk bands and i think that's like a kind of music where i not as much of that stuff happens, but I think there's no reason for it not to happen. So I do enjoy kind of like adding things in that respect. Um, but at the end of the day, it is like what's best for a song. You don't want to overdo it and kill the song. Um, so yeah, you just kind of follow that. But I do like, yeah, like I do like putting production in a style of music that usually doesn't get it, which is usually either a a budget restraint or just like, you know, most people haven't done it and then therefore don't have like the 
Like even if they want to do it, they don't necessarily know what the steps are to take to achieve things. And that's something I have now done enough that I can be like, no, I can help you. Right Take on, my yeah. hand. <laughs> well, the, uh, so much has changed, I feel like, since you guys had started. And, like, you've probably just seen, like, a crazy progression of, like, even, to you know, thinking about today's music and how how many genres there are. You know, there's so many. You can't hardly put music in a box anymore like we used to back in the day you know you'd be like that's a pop punk band or those guys rap or whatever and now there's so many people that are mixing styles like that is that something you've enjoyed seeing or you worked with people that have done you know multiple styles like that um not as much the i know stuff you said that you I've did done. a lot of punk yeah, yeah. but i mean i i mean there's nothing I mean, that's cool you know that's how things progress and change and whatnot uh but I, 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 you know, for me, I think I've seen more the way that that's kind of like affected, like, for example, with punk bands, like in promoting stuff, like it used to be back in the day, there was like a finite small amount of like page space and zines, you know, like right. everyone shared the same space. So everyone commingled and kind of was aware of each other. And now, you know, that's gone away and everything has become more segmented into like genres of subgenres and whatnot. And so I think that's, that can be a bummer. And then I feel like, you know, people aren't, it's funny, like with this, like the internet and how you can find anything, I feel like you're finding less in some ways because you're like segment, you get to be segmented so much. Yeah. There's so it's much, a there's a lot of noise sword. too. Like yeah. you can't hardly cut through a lot of the stuff. Exactly. But I don't know. It's like a double-edged sword of like, you know, I've talked to so many musicians that it's like, this has, you know, the industry the way it is now is like effectively cut out a lot of the middlemen mm. or a lot of the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And so it's so crazy that, you know, someone can, a, a chance the rapper can put his stuff on SoundCloud and be plucked out of like obscurity. Yeah. And it's just insane. Like how instant it is, you know, it's probably a lot different than when are you guys first starting out? Yeah. I mean, it all, you know, even back then it all came down to luck in a lot of ways. Right. And yeah, I'm sure you know, even someone on SoundCloud, like, you know, you got to have that someone who finds it yeah, to then tell someone else to, yeah. you know, like. That's true. There's always some. It's changed the moment. dynamic. Yeah. The yeah. dynamic's still there about, like, you know, being right place, right time type of thing. But it's just but yeah, the medium I mean, that delivers it. It's a little different now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then you can, so many people can just record themselves, which makes that a lot easier and cheaper. And just, you know, definitely there's more means someone to create than there ever has been which is great no for sure so do you have like other producers that you are a huge fan of oh yeah Tons. Or, or is there like or, or like when you, hear, when you hear a band <laughs> when you hear an artist or something that you haven't heard but you hear the recording can you tell that it's somebody that you um, are a fan of you know i don't know particularly if it's if I can do that. But I mean, if there's just something that sounds good, I will be, you know, I'll hunt out like who did that and like, mm -hmm. look it up. And yeah, I mean, there's so many, and th that's another thing is like, there's just so many people doing it now and they're all really good. And I don't know, I'm not a person who's ever been a natural at anything like playing guitar. It's like years of just grinding at it. And like even in recording and stuff, like nothing's ever come natural. Like I have to try really hard and so it's always, I don't know, I see all these other people just do it very easily. Ugh. Isn't that always just <laughs> make you piss? You're like, ugh. I My mean, wife is someone that can do, on a small scale, she could just pick something up and just be good at it. 
And I'm like, oh, like, that's so frustrating <laughs> to me. And I always think that with, like, you know, I have a lot of friends that are artists, and they just get so pissed when someone has, like, just has this, um, phenomenal work, and they're like, damn it, I want to be that good. But it's always so frustrating when you hear advice from, like, I have a buddy that's just a knockout, insane graphic artist. And I'm like, man, how, how does it happen? Like, how do you do it? And it's so boring. He's just like, yeah, just draw every day. Like, yeah. just do it every day. That is, I mean, and I'm like, that's not a sexy to. answer. Yeah. I need to, like, space jam your talent and yeah. become one with me. Like, I want your talent without working at it. But yeah, that's just what it comes down to, man. It's just, like, mm-hmm. being in it every day and working at it every day. With recording, that's, like, a big thing is there's a lot of people always searching for that one piece of gear, that one trick to, like, you know, make it all work and sound great. And then, yeah, and then you just do it forever and you're always searching for that. And then one day you do it decently and you realize, oh, it's just because I've been doing it. And now I know what to do. (laughs) And, like, it's funny because especially with, like, the gear thing, like, that's, like, a big thing with recording. And I've gotten to the point the past couple years where I'm like, oh, I don't need any other gear. Like, if I can't do it with what I have – I shouldn't be doing it, right. you know, like this, this is plenty. And yeah, you just come to that realization. And, and and like now I look at some of the gear I have and I'm like, I don't, I don't need that. Like, <laughs> I, you know, like I'm now I'm wanting to go the opposite way and downsize. Right. It's funny. But yeah, you just got to When you're it. looking though, you're like, I got to have that. I need <laughs> it. You like have that, you, that rationalization. Like if I can just do it, this is going to be the secret ingredient. Exactly. It's funny because this was probably, I don't know, sometime in the last year, uh, I saw this post. I think we both saw it at the same time, but somebody had posted this old piano on Craigslist or something like that. And it was downtown here somewhere. And I was, and it was like free. It was just sitting there. And we were like going back and I was like, you want to go get this thing? And you're like, ah, I don't know. And I was like, I'll, I'll drive. It's just sitting there. Let's just go pick it up. And you're like, all right, let's do it. And then it ended up being gone. But ah, shit. it was definitely, <laughs> he was going back and forth because you could tell it was like, he knew he, knew he didn't need it. Probably, mm. but it was an organ. Right? It was an organ. Yeah, it was like an old yeah. Hammond. Oh, and so yeah, it would have been cool. It's also fucking giant, and <laughs> and like Mike's like, I got a fucking plug-in. Does the same thing. I kind of, <laughs> you know, like it's obviously not going to sound as natural and as right. good as that. Because I, I actually did last year get to record uh, a real old Hammond through a Leslie, and it, was, I mean, it's awesome, <laughs> but. You know, it, the amount of effort and space it takes up, is it worth it for that when I right, can, you know, yeah. have something else like that or like a Nord or something that does do a really good imitation of it? But, eh, you know, have but it was stuff. gone anyway. Yeah, it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's out here trying to Marie Kondo his studio. <laughs> Roman's out pretty here much. trying to get him to get you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, Roman's like, uh, we hit it off pretty early. Uh, hit it off, like, just from Conversation. Being, yeah. yeah, being like a fans of the same stuff and a guy I work with is a big collector like they collect toys and then so of course when these guys started talking I was just like third wheeling I'm like damn <laughs> like you don't even know this guy like I know this guy and uh seen his toy wall I was gonna see yeah he sent me some pictures I was like Jesus well, yeah um I used to gotta come over and see that but yeah. uh yeah the um I'm a big toy collector obviously and uh I know that uh Mike does a lot of Vinyl actually got me really into right. collecting vinyl. And when I get into something, I go way overboard. You're like a completionist. Just, I, yeah, yes, yeah. I, want, I need I every record ever made. Right now. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we were talking earlier. We were kind of getting into, like, how did you get into wanting to collect vinyl? Because I know that it seems like 
if I know, I don't know that I do, when you started getting into vinyl. Um, well, being the old man I am, <laughs> uh, the first record I bought was Kiss Destroyer. When I was five years old, I borrowed five bucks from my brother. We were on vacation in Florida, and we were at some mall store, and I was like, oh, and I loved Kiss. So let me borrow it. I still have that record. And so what I was saying is I was old, so like LPs were still, the th- you know, normal. And so I've always had records. Um, and then, and so like then when I got into punk and like with punk, you know, records never stopped being a thing. And so I was buying, you know, continued to just buy records, but it was just normal. Like, Oh, I want that album. You know, like I want that seven inch. And, but it wasn't till late nineties, this band called Boris the Sprinkler. They're from uh, Wisconsin. They would do like ridiculous, like do a seven inch on six different colors, which now is like normal, which is weird. But back then was like you were like super, holy shit, I need all them skittles. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't care at first, and like I, oh, and really? I really okay. didn't care about like that stuff because I even had like, like I had seven inches on colored vinyl where I had buddies who cared more than me and would be like, oh. I really want that, but they had it on black or whatever. I'm like, just give me, trade me the black. I didn't care. And, but then when I, yeah, when I got a couple, like I got the Boris stuff, I was into them. And then I would see different colors used at Music Dimensions. I don't know if you ever went to Music Dimensions. And it'd be like a dollar. And I'd be like, oh, well, for a buck, I might as well buy yeah, the other I'm color. I'm already here, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that just sort of, you know, it kept rolling. And that was what started me on the nerdy side of collecting, of getting into variant stuff and uh but yeah so i've always bought records but that's when i got into okay. being a nerd about it uh, which you told me we were just from when we were talking about something that you bought in multiple colors back oh, we were just talking about on the sugar cult episode but i can't remember what it was if you remember what it is let me know because we were talking about well, it was, that it was, exact it was the, it was the alkaline trio oh alkaline yeah trio it was record. alkaline trio that's I right bought, and, oh and that and then i, I did all we both did all the the misfits um walk among us reissues and they were in, they were issued in Europe, so we, we did the we combined it so we could combine shipping because nice. it's expensive to ship. But yeah, they had like ten was it nine or ten different colors. Yeah, that's fucking it was ridiculous. ridiculous. That's like, and what's funny is, is there was a test press, and I went back and forth. I was like, I'm not gonna get it, and then he got it, and I was pissed like, because, he, because he got one more that I didn't have. I was like, damn it. Um, I well, never really a, had been. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying that's a record that I've I've had every version. And for the longest time, there were only so many. There was oh really? There was one, two, three, four, five. There were five. And if you have label variations, six to seven versions for you know, and they're all pressed in the eighties. And then there's nothing until like 2010 or 11, and all of a sudden they started pressing it again. So at first I was like, well, you know, it's one more. I'll just get it. So I still have them all. And then they kept fucking doing more. <laughs> and which is fine until they're like, oh, we're going to repress it again and do 10 at once. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> like, and obviously I don't but have you to buy them. But it's you, just one of those, like, that's, I don't but know. But you kind of do. It's a fear of missing out. You're like, you're like, ah, you're going to hate yourself later. Yeah, <laughs> hate yeah. yourself later if you don't get it. And it's, but it's just, I don't know. I, I do hate that when, you know, I don't, I mean, I even like two or three colors, I'm like, cool, whatever. But like when you do nine, like you were just trying to take advantage of yeah. people. And then one of them, like, and the thing was, is like, didn't they re, wasn't one of them, a, they had already done some of the colors, like the purple or in the, and then of course they reissued it in black and I, you know, it was just. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it was all, you know, different cover. Right. And, I mean, you can definitely tell the difference, but still it's just, yeah. You're just silly. like. 
cussing them, but still you're like, fuck, let me get my wallet out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a sucker. I, uh, I'd never really gotten into collecting them until I was given a, a record player for uh, Christmas one year. And then um, my favorite band of all time is Kings of Leon. And so my it was my friend bought me a record player, and then he knew I didn't have any records, so he was like, would buy me their records. And so, you know, uh, my birthday or Christmas would roll around, and he'd be like, I know you don't have this album, so I'm going <laughs> to buy you this. And so it was just like a sneaky way for him to give me gifts, I guess. But then I started getting stuff on my own. And when my father-in-law, the one that gave me the tapes, found out, he was like, oh, I got a whole crate of records he's like you're more welcome to have them whenever i'm not around it's like kind of that morbid thing of like oh like <laughs> okay and then i'd never thought about it and when he moved i went to help him move and he uh he had all his crates out and all these albums i'm like man like these are some really great like original presses of like led zeppelin like all these nice. i was like when did you get this he's like in the 60s when it came out i was like <laughs> no shit and so he he's a the funniest thing about him is that he's a a huge Elton John fan. And from the beginning, he has bought every Elton John album as it's come out, has the original of every album that he's ever put out. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And so I'm just like looking through and he has like all this awesome stuff. And I'm like, my God, like this dude's like a bona fide collector. Like he's (laughs) all this really great stuff. So I've gotten, you know, I've kind of dipped my toe in it a little bit. I've gotten a few things that I've liked, but. Man, it was just insane to, you know, it's it's like that cool thing of finding out that you share an interest with someone that you, you didn't know. Like, I didn't know he had all those records, and mm-hmm. he just showed me, and it was just like, yeah. wow, this is a cool thing that I can now share with him. Like, so a lot of that stuff's really fun for me, too. Yeah. Um, That's dope, though, dude. Like, what's a, I mean, are there some, some ones that uh, stick out to you as far as, like, you maybe you don't have yet that you're, like, really on the gun for or you basically have everything you want oh no there's always you never have everything you want (laughs) (laughs) never yeah i mean no well the like great white whale for me is the first misfit seven inch cough cool which has always been ridiculously expensive and has only gotten more so and now i'm just like man god damn it why didn't i just buy it right back in the (laughs) yeah the 10 times i (laughs) could have bought it when it seemed crazy then, but now it's like outrageous. Now, yeah, now it's to a point where it's like, ah, I don't know if I'm ever gonna <laughs> get one. Uh, what are they running right now? I think like three grand. Jesus <laughs> Christ! That's a- yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. God, that's that freaking the supply. Does a supply and demand yep. thing, man? It's just mm-hmm. like, dang it. It's the same thing with toys. Like, oh it's, yeah, it's the exact same uh, mentality and, and with collecting toys or comics and stuff like that it just it's vinyl and it's the hunt is is usually the funnest part i think we were just talking about that um there's these teenage mutant ninja turtle toys that i mean i don't really know that much about ninja turtles but like apparently everyone in my life is a huge fan i didn't know huge but so roman how how old are you again me i'm 28 28 well that's the problem yeah and that's why i I tell him i'm like that's cool but it's like that thing of you know i like power rangers is it good no but it's i have nostalgia for it Mm. and so it's the same but kind of the same case for for ninja turtles but it's like um him or roman a guy i work with named luke and then another buddy of mine named mike we're all just like losing their minds about these 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 toys and um 
I think it ended up being that Mike sent me a picture and then like someone had bought up all of them at one of the stores. Oh yeah, that essentially people, like people some, do that. Some I mean, schmuck bought the all the toys. They're flippers. I mean, they do it with records. They do it with they buy they'll buy up everything and then and then put it double priced on eBay. It's that kind of thing, which is a problem with collecting. I mean, I sometimes it's I, I mean I get it because you kind of have a chance to kind of pay for your own and get it for right. free, which I, I'm 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 guilty. I've done it. I've definitely done it. But I think that there's definitely people out there that will buy everything up, and then it's kind of like, come on, man, not not everything. Buy an extra one, and if you want to like, you know, pay it off, that's one thing. But when they buy like ten of them, nobody else gets anything. Yeah, it's just I, like I, maybe I'm just mad because I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what it is. Well, I was just saying, like, that's what I was thinking was that it was so funny to like learn. Like, I don't know anything. I don't collect toys or anything, and so I was like, oh, I guess this guy bought a few of them, and I was like showing it to. I showed I sent it to Roman and Luke and we Mike was the one that sent it to me and you were like, What the fuck? <laughs> I was like, Jesus, man, I don't it wasn't me. Like I just <laughs> What's the toy? It's a it's a Bebop and Rocksteady two pack. And uh they're they're basically the cartoon versions. Nice. And they're really yeah, they're badass. Love them. But it's just like real, real you know detail. one of those things that like outside looking in and you're like, I don't know anything about, you know, that world and but, everyone's like freaking out about yeah. these toys like but it, it, the the thing that made me laugh that was the thing i wanted to share about you, with you guys was something that luke told me that when he was looking for it he called and like the person was very dismissively like yeah we have like this these like foot soldiers and then looks like one is like the, this rhino or something right and he's yeah. like yeah that's it please that's it. and it's it. like so important to him because he knows about it right but <laughs> the guy that he's like talking is probably about my age or something that doesn't know anything about ninja turtles he's like yeah i guess it's like this this rhino thing or something and luke's like how dare you <laughs> that's what? bebop and rock said he'll have you know <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because i think that's what kind of got me into collecting vinyl was seeing this guy's ridiculous collection it's it's amazing it's jaw dropping when you see Mike's uh, vinyl collection. It's all organized and and <laughs> alphabetically by. I mean, this is crazy. Just going through it, you're just uh, there's so much here. You could spend hours just flipping through his records. It's crazy. Um, it's very impressive. That's cool, man. How <laughs> many records do you think you've bought over the years? Um, I mean, I have no idea. I, really? I currently have probably like forty five hundred ish. I think. That's awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, that's dumb. I mean, I mean, it's what I've always done. Like, I've always, you know, I would not eat lunch in high school and keep my lunch money and then go to Music Dimensions and buy records, you know. Like, I, that's all I've ever done is buy music. And so. What's the best place that you've been to buy vinyl? Things that you can't hardly find. Um, Well, there's a... Uh, well, I mean, Japan for some reason has the most amazing record shop. You were telling me about that. Uh, he was telling me about like Japan just has this outrageous stuff or something. Yeah, it's crazy. I think they, because like in the times I've gone to like the Austin Record Convention, like the first people in line are all these Japanese dudes, and they fucking wow. rush in and they're like just super flipping like through everything real quick. Because wow. I think they just stock up and then they go back. Um, but yeah, like I've found like the craziest stuff there you never find anywhere else. Um, yeah, so I, I, that's always my favorite thing of when we're on tour is to go to Japan. Like, ah, I got a record shop. How random that it's just like been a thing that's taken off like in a different country and you're like, what the heck? 
Yeah. And, well, you know what's funny is there, I feel like it never it never died there the way it did here. Oh, yeah, because there's been, like, a very much a resurgence of it. Yeah. But, like, you know, we'd go, when we first started touring over there, it was probably, like, mid-2000s, which was, like, the deadest time for record shopping here. Uh, and there had so many great stores. And like it was I, just, like, booming there. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was, like, heaven. So funny. Because I would still, you know, I still would go on tour all the time. But, man, it was, like... Shops were few and far between, and they were not great. But, of course, everything was a lot cheaper then, which was nice. <laughs> it's always been a good resource because whenever I go out of town for any reason, I always hit him up, and I'm like, hey, where are some good record stores in this town or whatever? Right. And he'll know <laughs> usually. Yeah. He'll know at least two or three. Right yeah, ask for Bill. Tell him Mike's in here. Did you buy All American Rejects records whenever they came out? Did you guys put out any vinyl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've done everything on vinyl. Um, I haven't bought them. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've, yeah, oh, yeah, I've received true. them yeah, and nice. kept them. That's true. Uh, but I mean, that's actually usually like kind of my department is if there's one thing I, I do on the business side of the band, it's get the vinyl together and kind of get that like all, you know, deal with all the layout, all the manufacturing. Oh, stuff cool. And, well, that's yeah. probably really fun for you. Then, yeah. Since you like are so into it. Yeah, exactly. And totally. So it's, it is, it's really fun. And that's where, yeah, they all know that I'm, I'm the fucking nerd with that stuff. So there's like, <laughs> whatever you thing. come up with, it's going to look good. It's going to be good. And so, yeah, that's always fun. And we've always been able to get labels to do silly, like just, expensive things that we shouldn't even be doing because it's like <laughs> just cuts into everyone's profit, but it looks really cool. <laughs> but it looked dope. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 there's a, uh, I guess a limited version of kids in the street and it's like a four picture disc. Like, t- is it 10 inch or they're just cutouts? Yeah. They're like shaped picture discs. It's crazy. Four of them. They all come in a sleeve. It comes in an embossed box with like a lyric book and a mask. It was ridiculous. That's tight, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cool. It turned out amazing. <laughs> it, it looks amazing. It's it's really cool. I'm hey, very stoked. If you don't ask, the answer's no. <laughs> exactly. You gotta ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta Let them ask. tell you no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was just uh, I don't know. I just it just seemed like a funny thing to ask because it's seems like sometimes musicians are ashamed to like listen to their own music. But I feel like I would like bump my shit like crazy <laughs> if I was like. You know, I had like, if I had a vinyl, I'd be like, dude, I'm bumping this shit like day and night. Are you kidding me? Like, it's funny because I've asked like Chris and I don't know if I've asked you before, but usually they've, they've heard those songs, what, a thousand times before they even get anybody else hears them. So I'm sure they're probably like, um, yeah, I don't put them on too often, (laughs) (laughs) but not to say, I mean, that's no reflection on my feelings on them. Definitely proud of those records for sure. No, that's right. cool, man. It's just like when I was, um, someone had just, you know, like the whole big thing right now is like the Spotify end of oh, year yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, someone had like some tweet or something that was like, um, I see a lot of local musicians don't want to share theirs because they'll they'll be in their own top five. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, man, what's the, <laughs> like, what's, what's wrong with that? Like, you got to be a fan of your own shit, man. Like, what's the deal? Uh, so I have a question about, about that, and you, maybe you can feel in some of the, the blank spots, but like, so like that whole thing came out with Spotify showing the, how many streams people have. Oh and yeah. That, and like, I'm curious because I, I looked at that and I saw like, I particularly saw the all American rejects one. It was like 168 million streams for the year or something like that. And then I was like, I wonder how, like, and I've, I've looked it up before with like, you know, somebody like Jay Z or something like that, that have this ungodly amount of streams or whatever. And they, they, 
don't pay very much per stream. It's usually like 0.007 cents or something like that. And then you multiply that and it's like, wow, that's a lot of money. But those artists don't see all that. It doesn't seem like. No, you know, it's still structured like, you know, any royalty with our label is, which is always, you know, like a band is, is lucky with the major label if they get, you know, like 15 points of a record. So 15% of that. So, yeah, you got to think about that. And then, you know, manager's cuts and. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the way it splits man. out. Yeah, yeah, so there's, there's it, it definitely dwindles. And then, you know, splitting it between the members. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, for a few years there, we didn't, we weren't seeing any royalties anymore until Spotify picked up. So it's kind of nice in that respect is that like, oh, hey, royalties exist again. But it's, yeah, it's definitely like diminished compared to like when people actually bought records. Because the rejects definitely came at a time where like, it was like the time between when there was a lot of people buying albums and then the streaming, there was like a little dead area and then there was the streaming that picked up. So it was like the switch seemed to happen during your career. Yeah, yeah, we saw we saw it all. We were like at the very tail of like when labels would throw money at you to try to get you to sign and you know doing all that stuff and you know and then actually selling records that made money. And then yeah, then we saw the like our third album was the one that had Gives You Hell on it, which was our biggest song by far. And but we sold way less records than the previous album. Huh. It's crazy. And uh, so that was the dip. Like we saw, we're like, what What the fuck is going on? And uh, and then, yeah, and then now it's like kind of come back where it's like, okay, streaming's, it's it's doing something beneficial. It's getting people to pay in some way. But, but yeah, the whole, the royalties are definitely a weird, weird thing. And, and you know, they do all these backroom deals with all the major labels too for licensing deals. And I don't know, it all breaks Exclusive down. Exclusive shit, yeah. It, it breaks down in weird ways that, yeah, no one probably It, it would give you a headache and try to figure it out. Right. That's, prob- that's probably by design. Yeah. No, I mean, for sure. Yeah. But, man, <laughs> I just saw, I saw a thing that, I'm, I'm trying to think if it was Kimmel or one of the late night shows, but one of you guys, it was like a, a thing you guys were on and you were like reading little questions from like the crowd or something. And one of you guys were like, um, everyone thought we were dead because we didn't put out an album in a year. I yeah. don't, was that you that said that? So one of the guys uh, said that and I was like dying laughing at like, yeah, it's um, true. I like just, I, I, the gist of it is like people get so fickle with like, if you're not around, today, yeah, you don't put, a, put out a record for a little bit. And it's it like, used to be commonplace. I think for bands to wait, three or four years between a record. Now it's like if they don't put it out. It's like expected, man. You're right. If they don't put it out the next year or two, then it's like, oh, they probably broke up or something. It's, it's like that. Not the case. It's like not even really the structure people, because everything's so instantaneous now. Going back to singles. Like, like everything. Yeah, people are putting out singles. It's like anymore you don't see people putting out records, but you see people doing things like something comes to mind is like Travis Scott. He put out mm-hmm. World, and it was like, he put he had like all this merch that went along with his album and if you bought a hoodie you get it one of his cds and that counted as like a, a record sale yeah and i was like oh man he freaking shoehorned that shit in. <laughs> and so many people were shitting on him and i was just like man this guy's getting the bag like leave him alone like yeah this guy's yeah. out here just trying to make the money it's uh yeah they just uh i think billboard just said that that won't count anymore 
Because, yeah, it's too many people were doing that. They, they call it the Travis Scott rule. Yeah. <laughs> like, they made all these rules about what you can have on your merch store and for it to count, and it's funny. It's kind of like a kid that, you know, you ever play with, like, a uh, when you're growing up, play, with a kid, play basketball with a kid that gets mad, and he's like, I'm taking my ball home. <laughs> it's kind of like, or they change the rules. Like, yeah, actually, yeah. now I can't lose. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I, it is it was a scam to sure. to inflate the numbers. But, oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, it was like on both sides. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 silly that that matters. You know yeah. that we're in a world where it has to chart at a certain place for anyone to like validate it. Right. You know, like it's lame. Totally. Well, that's like the thing that I've always loved about music is that, you know, it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing, some big production. It could just be a band putting out a record, and I just had the. You know, I was just able to um, talk to one of my favorite, um, the singer of one of my favorite bands recently. Um, the time of this recording, that interview, or when this drops, that album, that uh, interview is not out yet, so I won't say. But um, it was just like a really cool experience to be able to talk to him. And it wasn't like this band ever got huge. Um, but to me, in my life, they were huge. I found this record when I was a junior in high school. And, you know, just well, you what. Got, you got to whisper it to it. What, I'll t- I mean, I'll tell you after we're done. <laughs> when uh, when that came out, it just was like, it just that shit just hit me, man. It was very impactful for me. So that I felt like I had an, in, uh, a very unique opportunity to be able to tell someone that their music had a lot, had a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. And so if I could just take a second to tell you that your music has resonated with me for years. Oh, cool. And I really appreciate it. Oh, I try not to man. gush like that too much. But <laughs> awesome. When I have the opportunity, it's cool. like, you know, I love to tell people that what they do, what they do, like matters to, you know, it matters to me that you guys put those records out and I still listen to that shit to this day. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. But, uh, well, man, appreciate you coming by uh, and chatting with us for a little bit. Why don't you tell people like about projects you got coming up where they can follow you on social media, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, social media is at Mike AAR on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I don't do much on the Twitter though. So I guess I don't even really do that much on Instagram. The but, Twitter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then um, uh, I'm always uh, working on recording stuff. Uh, recently there were some new singles by Red City Radio that I produced um, who are local boys. And um, also, let's see, what else came out recently? Uh, Mini Meltdowns have an Mini EP. Meltdowns. They're really good. Uh, I feel like uh, Ramones, Power Pop kind of stuff. Um, working on a new Screeching Weasel album that will be out next year. Um, there was a new Mass Intruder record this year that I worked on. I was going to ask about the, the Screeching Reason one. Prolific there. bastard over Real here. Real quick. <laughs> I had a busy year. Yeah. Oh, and there's another local band who has a record coming out called uh, Trial by Noise, who are awesome with yeah. uh, insane, insane musicians in that band, and that'll come out on Little Mafia uh, pretty soon. Yeah. Just prove the test presses. Yeah. Go ahead, Roman. Nice. Oh, th- so the Screeching Weasel record, the last one you did was um, – the Baby Fat Act One. Yes. And this is not a continuation, or it is a continuation? Like, is this an Act Two? No, it is not. Okay. It so is an album. <laughs> got that clarification. Yeah. No, some <laughs> of the songs were written for it, but they have been uh, poached to gotcha. now just be a, right. a normal album. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Roman, where can people follow you, bro? Check out all your hot I, takes. I, I, look at all your I, toys. I, I'm not that cool to follow, but if you want to <laughs> see some random skate decks that I buy and toys and shit, uh, at Roman W four oh five on Instagram. There it is, man. Follow him. Follow. He's a he's a great guy. 
Uh, as always, you can follow us on social media, guys. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.